it's it's something that as a party we need to kind of sh- you know get our act together because the de- as you mentioned the demographics are changing wildly and these and the folks that we need to turn out to win are not watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and NCIS. Welcome to another episode of the Georgetown Public Policy Review Podcast. My name is Eric Dank, Senior Interview Editor. Ben Huber and I had the chance to spend a bit of our morning with GU Politics fellow Tim Lim. Tim is CEO of Lim Consulting Services, LLC, which focuses on political strategy, organizational development, and fundraising. Tim most recently was a partner at Bully Pulpit Interactive, a full-service marketing agency that works with political campaigns, corporations, and advocacy organizations. He was also the president and founder of Precision Network, a cutting-edge media buying firm. We got the chance to talk about big data security, the midterm elections, and why Democrats keep spending so much money on broadcast television advertising. It was a really entertaining interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Tim's a really fun and engaging person. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the articles and books that we mentioned throughout the interview. A few housekeeping notes first. Thanks to all those who were able to come out to our spring theme launch and hear Frank McCourt and Professor Ladd speak. We're looking forward to more podcasts and articles on rethinking governance. A bigger thank you to all the GPPR folks who made it possible. It was a great success, really entertaining and exciting event. Also, look forward to upcoming podcasts with GU Politics Fellow and former Chief of Staff to Mike Pence, Josh Pitcock, and incoming Dean of the McCourt School, Maria Kanchan. And now, on to our interview with Tim Lynn. Well, sitting down with us, Tim. Um, it's great to have you on. Uh, I just wanted to start, you know, with your discussion section, actually, um, just the third week or so of it. Um, and I'm just curious what the most surprising thing uh, has been, most surprising interaction you've had with uh, with the students. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, the the most surprising thing just happened actually uh, this past session. Um, a lot of the students were excited to hear about um, the. My, the last topic was talking about privacy issues, data targeting, targeting um, off of uh, what we call personal identifying information or PII data. Um, and I thought that would be pretty controversial, and uh, it wasn't. Uh, the students were pretty. I, I don't. I don't think they approve of it, but they were. They were very. Um, they didn't seem to mind as much, or maybe you know that they were just. Oh, you know there was nothing they could do about that. So that was a, it was a weird reaction. And, you know, it's not actually when I, when I think about it, we've done focus groups before um, where there's just a divide when it comes to privacy and, and data security between folks who are older millennials and then, you know, and then younger than that. And so that's, that that's not, that's, it shouldn't surprise me. It was just, that's, it was normally when I give that talk, a lot of people are appalled and, and scared, and you know I think that um, Generation Z doesn't it doesn't care as much. Yeah, I actually was curious about uh, this issue of um, of privacy and sort of it was interesting you saying that they seemed to sort of to accept it that it was normal for them. Um, and along those lines, you know, I was thinking that uh, GPPR's theme is rethinking governance this year, which is sort of a broad theme, but in, in the context of social media. This is a great year to be. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, wonderful, wonderful timing, guys. Wonderful timing. Right. Our previous years, we had done disruption and uncertainty. Uh, so they were very much like problem focused. So this year, we're kind of like 
we talked about problems a lot. Let's sort of jump okay. into that, No, that's good. It's, it's, you know what? It's a good goal. I um, feel like we're going to be in the disruption phase for a long time. Yeah, it really, really does seem that way. Um, yeah, and so I guess in the context of social media or uh, online media in general, um, I, I sort of wanted to at, uh, pick your brain a bit on rethinking the structure of, of social media. That You know, we, we see things like, you know, Twitter wielding its terms and services sort of as it as it wishes um, for for use. You know, Facebook having massive control over what millions of Americans see. Their entire entire news diet is basically you know controlled by Facebook and its algorithm. Um, I'm just sort of wondering if you think that these represent problems. Uh, um, if so, you know, kind of what is to be done. You know, I've heard everything from breaking up Facebook um, using antitrust uh, and trying or trying to turn. Social media into something akin to email, where you have a bunch of companies that all can talk to each other on some single, um, you know, feed. Uh, or um, you know, you see people on the right suddenly uh, into nationalizing Twitter, thinking that Twitter, because it's a public, you know, publicly traded company, that somehow you know can be regulated. I'm curious what your thoughts are on on these this broadly. I could probably spend. Several hours on this one. Um, I God, let me uh, let me let me put my my thoughts in order. Um, there there listen, there there's a, a ton of discussion, obviously, on social media platforms and the security of social media platforms. But I, I do think we need to take a step back and look at the kind of the the, the forest as well, right? Mm-hmm. I I actually think the social media platforms are the trees. I think the, the greater question right now that we should be asking ourselves uh, is, you know, what do we think is what do we think is important? What do we think is personal identifying information that's exclusive and should be private to only that individual? Mm-hmm. And what can we do to protect it? Um, I, I was doing a lecture yesterday at American University where I'm talking about this. Oh, I was talking about the topic of data security and everybody thought I was going to talk about Facebook. And what I ended up talking about was Equifax and Experian and new star hmm. and axiom and you know none of them have heard these names right yeah. they're kind of like oh i've seen the commercial for experience i'm like so these are folk these are yeah. companies, okay that possess what i call like actual information right mm-hmm. what you put on facebook and what most what 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 a super majority of people are putting on facebook and social media platforms it's it's preferences it's things that they like or dislike it's it's content some of it might be personal yes but it's not your social security number it's not your credit score it's mm-hmm. not your credit history it's not your occupation um, that's verified by the irs i mean there's this type of information is is freely out there and that's the information that bad actors and hackers who are creating right fake profiles in order to make purchases that's what they're actually using right so so when before we go dive deep in into social media security uh, you know my my greater you know worry and what i don't think there's there's absolutely any attention on is the fact that our financial and our like our livelihood right our bank accounts our uh, the things that like matter whether or not we eat um, are, are, are at risk and nobody's talking about it, right? Experian lost like 50 million records or something like that. I'm, I, it's a re- these numbers are so ridiculous now that I'm, I'm starting to just get desensitized. Yeah, and we had, we had like, what, two hearings maybe? No legislation, no <laughs> talk. Yeah, no. But, but we've had, I don't know, how many plans to 
nationalize Twitter or to break up Facebook. And I go, that's that's fine and great. I think we just got to triage and we got to prioritize. My worry right now is the fact that this data that it can, can harm you significantly um, is not protected. There's no real procedures in place. There's no there's no federal legislation or framework, really. Obviously, the, the data vendors will disagree with me, but there's not a real federal like legislation or framework that is is modern and that's capable today of doing the job so that's what we i think is the first step absolutely so i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the upcoming midterm i read your medium post on just sort of guidance for democratic strategists coming into the the midterm and you talk a little bit about uh, audience over platform uh, being yes. a key a key sort of thing to keep in mind uh what exactly, could you like unpack that difference for us and why that's so important uh, and how campaigns go about that? Sure, this is, uh, this is my pet peeve in, the, in, in democratic campaigning today. Uh, anyone who follows me on social media knows that I rant about this at least weekly. Um, but you know, we, we haven't learned anything from the 2016 election, particularly when it comes to advertising. Uh, and it's not even just the 2016 election. We haven't learned anything from 2014, 2012, 2010. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the playbook that democratic consultants, particularly the media consultants, are using for a majority of these races um, is straight out of the early 2000s. I mean, even from the 1990s, right, which is just go up on broadcast television. And and there's a just to explain a couple of things. There's broadcast ads, which is, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC. It's the the ad, you know, it's the stations that are pretty much available to everybody and anybody. Right. And then you have cable. Then you have satellite. Right. Then you have, um, you know, over-the-top uh, devices like PlayStations, et cetera, streaming, et cetera. So, but, but what 80% of the media plans today are focused on is just on broadcast TV stations. Um, for, uh, there's a variety of reasons for that. Some of it's economics. Like the only way to make a lot of money off with Media Commission is to spend a lot of money on TV stations. Um, that's the most expensive and that's where consultants get the most commission then. So because they're paid on media commission, the goal is to get the buy as big as possible, right? If you're using all these other, if you're using digital and you're using streaming, using even cable, those buys get smaller yeah. and therefore you make less money. Um, that's not the case for all media consultants, but when you look at the, the trend lines and where campaigns are spending the most money, it's just, it's incredibly clear that we've lost Kind of the you know we've we've lost the, the the primary incentive which is to win um and what's remarkable is that you see you watch the republican side and they're just destroying us on digital spending they are spending way more than us on digital advertising uh in 2016 we saw ie spend almost four times more than democrats uh mm. on on digital and so we, we've flip-flopped, right, from 2012 to today, where Republicans have kind of taken on the mantle as the, 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 the digital spenders, right, the folks who are, like, really working digital. And we Democrats, who primarily are dependent on the voters who spend the most time on digital, are spending less and spending it all on Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, and NCIS. So that's, what, that's, that's my point, is, like, stop focusing on stop focusing on like what your old algorithm is on platforms focus on the audiences and where they're spending time and how do we get a hold of them oh i see what you mean by that 
Um, yeah, so do you think there's a party problem then? This is something, because you, you're saying the Republicans do it better, Democrats do it worse. you think it's a problem at the like, leadership, it's a leadership level? It's a fundamental difference between how the party consultants look at this. Like, you, If you talk to the other fellows in my group, you talk to Ed Goyce, you talk to Josh, you talk to them about how they put their media plans together, um, there's a fundamental difference. And it starts from the, it starts from the top, right? Yeah, you, have the, right. you have executive directors on the Republican side who said, you know, consultants, you're not going to get paid solely on media commission. You're going to get paid on retainer, media commission, and win bonus. And if you win, you get a lot of money. And if you lose, you know, we'll put you back on the bench. And also, that means that you can't spend, you know, 85% on broadcast television. And you have our leadership who's like, no retainers, all media commission. I don't even know what a win bonus is. Uh, we're going to cap the, your media commission. Which, by the way, when you cap a media commission... All you're doing is basically incentivizing someone to work up to point X, and then they don't want to work anymore. Absolutely. Right? And then, but they're not going to change their formula because why would they change? You know, of course, they're going to go up on broadcast television ads still because that's just the way they've been doing it. Um, And then that all this bears out when you look at the FEC data, right? And you look at how much TV station, how much money we're giving the TV stations. And it's just a fundamental, it just, it's, it's just discerning to, it's disconcerting to me that this is, we're looking at a, a year where we're going to win a bunch of house seats and people are going to look at the formula that we won them and say, hey, look, this worked. I'll be like, yeah, but this didn't work in 2016. And it didn't work in 2014. And it didn't yeah. work in 2010. And it didn't work in 2000. You know, it didn't work in 2004, 2002. And so, you know, it's, it's like insanity is definitely, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again, expecting a different result. If you get that one different result every 10 elections, I, I don't think that's a winning formula. Confounding variables there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so but why do you think it is that way? I, I'm curious. Um, why Why is that culture developed, do you think, in the Democrats versus the Republicans? Like, what What about the parties? I I, I, I should write. You know, this is a book I should write. Um, I, I, there's, I, 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 Making progress. There are, there are, I, I don't think it's one reason. I think it's, it's a, it's a confluence of reasons. Um, we have, a, we have a, we have a very old consulting class. Like you look at the top, uh, so in, 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 on the Democratic side, media consultants kind of run the, run the campaigns. They're the ones who call the shots, right? So okay. you, a campaign hires a media consultant, they run the campaign, they get to you know, do the creative, but they get, in, in order to pay that media consultant for running campaign, they get to get the media commission. That's just kind of the old formula. Okay. Um, when you look at the, the biggest, like if you just did an FEC analysis and you look at the the media consultants who make the most money, right? And it's kind of hard to do that because media these media consultants use media buyers, which is a separate entity, and they put money in through the media buyers, uh, so that you can't, you know, it's not like X plus X, right? It's like X plus Y equals total, and then but you have to know who the media buyers are to figure that out. But what happens is if you look at the FEC reports and you look at how much money these 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 media consultants are making and you look at the top 10 right they all share some very similar demographics they're older they're white they're male which for the democratic party would make very little sense right. like we're not the older white male party uh and so you know a lot of you know organized political organizations and super PACs have noticed this and they've been fighting to change that um, but it's it's a it's a fight that I think is we haven't made enough progress, you know we're still we're still running the same playbooks, 
And it's really the outside groups that are doing the most innovative and interesting work, right? Like swing lefts and the run for somethings and indivisibles. They're the ones, even in priorities, right? They're the ones that are pushing us to change. But it, but you know, as long as we have this really old established consultants uh, set who haven't learned anything from you know the past thirty years, we're gonna keep running the same playbook, and we'll probably lose more than we win ultimately. Makes sense. That's uh, that's probably this is probably much more uh, controversial than you guys expected. So I, <laughs> I I'm I'm just I I've 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 stopped caring about you know whether or not people are worried about these. These are all, by the way, these are all things that people talk about, you know, in restaurants, coffee shops, like, you know, on Slack channels. Like we, it just, there's a, there's a fear of talking about this because the media consultants are going to then like, you know, go after you and make sure you don't, you don't get work. And um, frankly, I'm not looking for work right now. So that's a a good thing. (laughs) Right. Some security there. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this seems to be a, a really interesting question. This is an answer I haven't heard. You know, the question being, you look at how demographics are shifting. You look at um, you know re- voter, uh, voter registration numbers, and it seems like in a lot of races the Democrats should be winning, right? Um, and yeah. and there's you know this enthusiasm gap argument. There's all these sorts of, all these arguments that are made, you know, vo- voter suppression, those sorts of things, which you know and those could very well be happening as well. But it's interesting to see that maybe the message just isn't getting out there because the platform's wrong. Not it's it's it's. So I focus primarily on the advertising um, in, in this talk, but it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how people under the age of 40 interact. And that's scary, right? Yeah. Like if you talk to Democratic, cons- these, the, you talk to these older Democratic consultants, when you talk about the young peoples, the young peoples are the people under the age of 40, okay? And I'm like, and I tell them, I go, I, I mean, the min- number of times I've been in a room and go, by the way, there's a fund of they're like like 18 to 40 is not an age group. Yeah, that's not like a group of people. That 40 to 50, okay. There's a lot more. You know, 40 to 50 year olds have a lot more in common than an 18 year old and a 40 year old, right? I'm I'm in my mid 30s. I have a child, mortgage, you know, taxes, all that stuff. I don't think I have much in similarity as someone who's probably 10 years younger than me, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, campaigns think of them as the same. And so they give them this, they treat them the same, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, eh, you know what, we'll do a little bit of digital, but they're not going to vote. So we don't really need to, you know, we don't really need to work on that. Um, or, the, you know, there'll be super PACs who do that. We don't need to do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that as a party, we need to kind of, sh- you know, get our act together because the as you mentioned, the demographics are changing wildly. And, these, and the folks that we need to turn out to win are not watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and NCIS, yeah, right. and that's not how they communicate. That's not how they get information either. And they're not watching. They're not watching CNN, and they're not, you know, reading the New York Times, right? Like this isn't how information is distributed today, and but we are acting like that's the primary way to distribute information. Yeah, and if I, I can get back to how information is distributed today, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking specifically uh, of Facebook since there's so many different. You know, obviously, there's a million different platforms, but just to be able to sort of hone in on one yeah. thing, um, and I mean, I think your your comments on Experian and the, the various credit rating agencies agencies make a lot of sense. Like that, those are the genuine. You know, those should, probably should be the security concerns. But I think you know, it's it's sort of natural for politicians to care about about politics. And if you look at what's driving, you know, well, uh, I would I'd say they care about shiny objects a lot of cases. And uh, that's I fair mean, too. Po- <laughs> like 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 let's. See, I think you're being I think you're being very very nice. Um, but yeah. but but yes. 
Yeah, well, you know, they say you know, politicians are what they're single-minded, you know, actors trying to get reelected. That's what well, they, you, so they you tell you in the political fa- science. If you, yeah, yeah, if you watch the hearings on Facebook, um, and if you have, please, uh, like, no, yeah, you 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 need to watch. Anyone who hasn't watched, you need to watch it. it, it there's a, such agree. a, it's a fundamental. I keep using fundamental. It is a insane level of non-information there. Yeah. Right. Like like the questions that they were asking, the things that they were inquiring about. Yeah, that's why mm-hmm. this is to me just like a, it's almost a farce, right? right? Because they don't they don't understand at all what's going on. The FEC and the FCC and the FTC don't understand what's going on. Yeah. So there there yes there are real there are real concerns and and, and that we need to be addressing them. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a federal regulatory process that needs to happen, and I'm afraid that we don't have the people in federal government to actually do that. Yeah. Well, I want I want to push on that a little bit too because I think you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like when a lot of senators, you know, were trying, were asking Mark Zuckerberg about their emails, and it was incredibly embarrassing. But I think occasionally, you know, you'd have a, some enterprise in LA or someone would would stick, you know, a pretty good question in front of their well, boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then they would read it. They'd be like, and then they would mis mispronounce the word. Right, right. right. Like the book of faces. Right. Uh, yeah. But I did think when they did manage to get, you know, uh, some good questions, I didn't think Zuckerberg had any answers for them. You know, I don't think he was able. I think he he dodged and deflected, um, and could lean on the fact that for the most part these people had no idea what they were talking about. But I still think like, and I think it's directly your point that you know maybe they're they're not doing an adequate job of regulating him. But you know, regulation probably should happen at some level. I, I'm listen, one hundred percent regulate. Right. I mean, this listen. The, the, <clears throat> what I am so confused about, I guess, as as a as an American citizen. Is these calls for the industries to regulate themselves? Sure. Right, like, like, oh, Facebook doesn't do enough. Google doesn't do enough. It's not their job. Right? I'm just—it's hilarious to me, right? It's yeah. like, no, no, no. You, 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 y'all like forgot how government works, okay? <laughs> like, the government is the one that's supposed to do the, that job, right? Right, and and I'm glad that Facebook has taken steps to increase transparency, and I'm glad Google's done that. But obviously, it's not enough. And obviously, they're two. What we're what we're creating is just a bunch of different systems of regulation, mm-hmm. right? And ultimately, one, it's just confusing to the end user. Two, it's consum- it's confusing to advertisers. And then three, there's no equivalency, right? Like, okay, Facebook says what well, this thing is right, and then Google says, well, this thing is wrong, and then Twitter says, okay, well, this thing is wrong. So what you you have you have a Frankenstein mix yeah. of regulations and laws. So I think it's I think that what listen obviously a lot of what they're doing is also to save their ass and make sure that they don't get, you know, that, that they don't get a massive tsunami that hits them. Mm-hmm. But that's I, I think the point being is that if you're going to be ang- like if you're going to be angry, right? If you're going to be frustrated about what's happening right now, you've got to demand more from your government, right? Yeah. So you got to vote out people that you don't think are doing the job and vote in people who you think are. And I think the I think the, the the community of folks who want more regulation, uh, consumer protection, etc., are doing an awful job at like stating the case and making and making the case for why this is a this should be a priority for voters, right? I don't think it should be a priority right now. There's just so much else going on yeah. that I'm like, hey, like we need to f- triage everything that's happening in the world. The world's burning down and the apocalypse is happening. So right. let's figure out from from you know, worst thing to like least worst thing and i don't really care about my social media data right now i care about 
I care that my social security number is literally probably like in Russia at this point. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the like, but it's a regulatory process that needs to happen because if we just ask the industries to regulate themselves, meant t- tell me the last time an industry has been to effectively regulate itself. Yeah, right? No, never. There's, I yeah. can't even like, I, you know, I can't think of an example, but the, the point is we agree, right? We're, we're in agreement that there needs to be more regulation. There needs to be a better process. I don't foresee that happening anytime soon just because of the chaotic nature of DC right now. Yeah, absolutely. Do, Which, you have, do you have a sense of what that might look like though? What like a good model might be like the, you know, the, the European uh, sort of overhaul of their um, data protection? Uh, I, so it's funny because I, on the advertising side, I found the European model to be incredibly, I mean, I think that the European model is, I'll say it, it's, I think it's over the top. I think that making certain things illegal um, and not allowing enough advertising, like, I, I don't think they understand that you can't apply the same host of regulations and systems onto onto the online space as you would to, you know, a car manufacturer, mm-hmm. right? Or, um you know, uh, an electrical plant. And and so I I think that there's this, this insistence that, well, okay, we can't, you can't, you know, this is a gross overcharacterization and, and, um, paraphrasing, but like, you can't use any PII data to target off of. It's like, okay, that's then, you know, people will figure out ways around that. They'll just use behavioral data or they use, you know, offline data to figure that out. So I think what, I think ultimately what this comes down to, right, is regulators asking what is what is the most impactful data, right? What's the data that's like going to cause actual serious harm? What causes real, actual fiscal or physical damage, right? And how do we make sure that that data is secure, that it's safe, and that it's not used for nefarious purposes? Right. But making it there, there has to be like a real, you know, separation between like impactful data versus just data that is, you know, I like, you know, I love Tom Clancy novels. I like Jack sure. Ryan right, movies. Right. Like that's not to me something that requires an over the top state regulatory response. Yeah. Oh, well, that, I mean, that makes sense. There definitely have to be. Uh, yeah. But right now we're like, we're not even having that discussion. Right. We're not having no. discussion like what's like. What's data that's important? What's data that's not? And how do we protect the? How do we protect it that it is? Yeah. We're grouping it as one big thing. And but by the way, that's never gonna. Then then you're never gonna get anywhere, right? You're right. never gonna get this point where you'll have forward progress. So, so, one of the questions we ask or are starting to ask this year to all of our guests as we as we sort of wrap things up is if you had to recommend three books or even articles that you've read recently or that you just uh, hold, that hold a dear place. They can be a Tom Clancy novel too. I, I confess at, a, at, at, at the, uh, one of the podcasts that I I love Tom Clancy novels. I'm I'm very proud of saying that I love Tom Clancy novels. I watched Clear and Present Danger last night. It was such a great movie. It's such a great movie. Harrison Ford. The original, yeah. I was gonna say There's only that. one Jack Ryan. It's Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Yeah, Everyone else is just a sad clone. Mm-hmm. But if you had to if you had to recommend three books articles. Three things to read for people who might be more interested in the stuff we've talked about, or like I said, even a, a Tom Clancy novel. Sure. Um, uh, I, I, as as we've all talked about, I didn't have coffee this morning, so I'm gonna like not remember specific details. Um, but in terms of some articles, um, there was an, an um, this amazing um, 
I, 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 I thought it was a New York Times. It's a New York Times spread on um, the rise of <coughs> uh, influentials buying followers. Um, it was, it was, I think it was like front page on a Saturday. Um, but it was, it was, this, it was, you know, several pages is this whole spread about how, uh, influential celebrities, sports stars, politicians were, were buying, uh, followers. And, you know, the New York times kind of like did a deep dive into each of these followers that they bought and determined that, you know, super majority of them were bots, but that they were paying, or like they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And, and I just, to me, Right. I, 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 I giggled obviously. Uh, but you know, the, the fact that, right. The, the corollaries there, I think between our talk about Facebook and the hearings and how the senators have no idea what's going on or the, you know, Congress has no idea what's going on. These celebrities who don't, you know, these older, they're older celebrities who don't really know what's going on in social media, but they just know they have to have a lot of followers. Right. And it ends up just being, these are skins, right. All they're just skins of other of real people but just, you know, run by a bot, uh, you know, to me was just, it's a fascinating article. If you haven't read it, you should look at it. It just shows like how much of the, the snake oil is out there and, yeah. and, you know, people who you think are smart and sophisticated and really, you know, have, have their, have their stuff together, uh, can fall for it. Um, so it, that was just, and the, the, the whole, the, the, the mechanics and the process and the, the whole operation was very interesting. Um, Another, uh, another uh, a book that um, uh, that I, th I find fascinating. It's it's not the most um, uh, I, I don't. There's a lot of feelings I have about it, but it's called The Power, um, and it's kind of a reverse Handmaid's Tale. Um, that's the only way I can describe it. That's actually how the description is. It's called a, re a reverse Handmaid's oh, wow. Tale, and it's in a world where women get a, a specific power that allows them to uh, subjugate men. Um, uh, and it's just a fascinating, like, what-if novel. And I highly suggest um, you read it. It kind of, like, addresses what, you know, it kind of addresses the question is, you know, power, does power corrupt? Does absolute power corrupt? Absolutely. Um, and um, if you haven't read the New York Times spread on the, the Donald Trump finances, uh, right. make sure you read that. That is uh, some amazing journalism. I actually am watching the Showtime series. Right now, it's called the Fourth Estate. They're mm -hmm. doing a whole. They're doing like just a whole episode on this specific investigation. I think it's on on Sunday night. Um, not a book or an article, but kind of related to one. Sure. So yeah. I would. <clears throat> I'm going to tune it. in for that. But if you haven't read the spread, it's it's just fascinating stuff. Awesome. Well, Tim, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It was great. Yeah.